evidence and answers. What distinguishes a Christian business from other businesses? What are the hallmarks that characterize a Christian in the business marketplace? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on our show, Pat and his guest, businessman Mark Benson, will share how Christians can do business for the glory of God. Now with part one of this interview is our host, Pat. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the issues of today. Well, can the just succeed in business? Can someone apply biblical Christian principles and make it in today's business world? Many say you cannot. However, there are others who show, yes, indeed. In fact, you must apply God's principles to have not only a successful business, but a God-honoring business. What does it mean to be a Christian man in today's business world? Well, today we have with us a guest here, very experienced in this arena, Mark Benson. You may know him here in the state of Hawaii. He's the previous owner of the Honolulu Ford dealer. Uh, we'll hear his story, and uh, you probably saw him on the front page of the Star Advertiser here a few years ago. Since then, he sold Honolulu Ford and is working full-time for the Lord at a great organization. We'll talk about more later, the Museum of the Bible. But Mark, welcome to Evidence and Answers. Hey, great to be here, Pat. Thanks for having me. Well, Mark, before we begin, just tell us briefly your story of how you came to faith in Christ. You know, Pat, I'm a third-generation Lutheran preacher's kid. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in the church, but really where I would say that I was confirmed, like we all were, but about 18 years old, I was attending uh, Jesus Rocky Mountain in Colorado. And I remember sitting there watching Amy Grant do one of her first paid performances in the rain. And mm. I just admired what she was able to do. And they started looking around at the people around me and saying, you know, God, you got to make me like them. You got to mm. make me like them. And at the same time, that's really where I felt it. And I felt the Holy Spirit coming in and say, OK, we're going to make you like them. Wow. You know, not to sidetrack, but first Christian concert I ever went to was Amy Grant. Was it really? Yeah. And I had no clue what a Christian concert was. I didn't want to go. Right. I think Journey was playing that night, too. And <laughs> I had just come to faith in Christ. And I didn't want to go and listen to hymns and, right. some, you know, playing hymns on a piano or anything. I had no clue. And when I went to the Amy Grant concert, a guy opened up for her, a guy I'd never heard of. His name was Michael W. Smith. Wow. And uh, when he was done, I said, well, that guy's great, man. And, you know, Amy Grant came, but I was like, I want to hear the other guy. Is he coming back? You know, <laughs> Very so, good. Very yeah. good. Hey, what do you know? See? Yeah. Well, Mark, tell us, I mean, what does it take to make it in today's business world? We see a lot of uh, aggressive sales techniques out there, what you might call cutthroat techniques and yes. all of that. What does it take to make it in the business world? You know, I think the main thing is it's culture. No matter what, you've got to have a culture in your organization. I have never owned a restaurant, but I've got to think that you know, a restaurant has to have a culture just the same way a car dealership does. And so I've had the honor of owning car dealerships around the country and most recently was Honolulu Ford. And when I acquired that dealership, it had lost a million dollars a year in the previous years, every year like clockwork. And so we came in and I knew, number one, I had to establish a culture. And then what does that culture look like? You have to have buy-in. Ah, all right. So we hear a lot about that just on my way listening to ESPN and talking about how Tom Brady came in and changed the culture of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or how 
Magic Johnson came and changed the culture yes. of the Lakers or whatever. Yes. What kind of culture were you looking as a Christian businessman to create there? Initially, what I was desiring to do was create a culture where, A, number one, our people knew they're going to be treated fairly. So my employees had to know that I had their back no matter what. That was the first thing I started to do. I didn't set out to establish a Christian dealership. Initially, it was just to break it even, getting it going, do the right thing in the first year. And that's really where I felt my destiny was really going to be in that store, where a consumer could come in, they could be treated fairly, and know that no matter what, on the way out, they had a fair deal. That was really my proposition with my employees and with my customers. And that's really what I started it out as. Yeah. Now, what do you mean by treated fairly? Wow. What principles guide you in saying I've treated people fairly? You know, the sad part about the car industry, and, and I really have to speak to what I know. And in the car industry, when I got in, maybe 10% of the dealers made it a carnival game. In other words, mm-hmm. you were going to go ahead and pick out which ball was underneath which cup. And I have to say that our industry has moved closer to 50%. It's a trick. It's a Mm. carnival trick. And Mm. the consumer really walks out most of the time not knowing that I get a good value. And we aren't selling the value any longer. So I always tried to stay that I want to take care of the consumer and take care of the value. And so we instilled that in everybody coming in, that no matter what, if my mom walked in this store, I wanted her to be able to walk out later buying a car or not. didn't matter that she was treated fairly. And if we did it that way without the pressure tactics, I knew everything else would come together. So that's the way we started. But about a year and a half in, close to two years in of owning the dealership and working my tail off, I'm sitting at New Hope, not paying attention to Pastor Wayne, as I should have been, and asked God the question, God, uh, I'm not having a lot of fun. I'm working 70 plus hours a week. And at the end of the day, why am I in Hawaii? Why do you have me here? And that's where everything started. Wow. Tell us what message you got from Pastor Wayne and, and the Word of God and the Holy Spirit speaking to you there. Everything I kept getting was trust me, just trust me. And so I kept looking at, okay, what do we need to do to extend those relationships? What do we need to do to be known as a Christian organization? We were always sponsoring anything having to do with Christianity or having to do with like Convoy of Hope or the churches or family. That's really what we were behind. We sponsored that in a lot of that area. and We were known for that. But fast forward, I kept thinking with my team, my management team, guys, what do you think about closing on Sundays? What do you guys think about doing the Hobby Lobby, the Chick-fil-A model? What does that look like to you? And not everyone in my dealership were Christians. So we all agreed to jump off the bridge together at the same time. And I think that's what made the uh, front page there in the star advertiser that everyone said, you're crazy. Closing on Sundays. Yes. I mean, that's how car dealerships make their money. That's when people are shopping for, you ain't going to make it. Closing on Sundays. Correct. So what'd you guys think? And, And Walk us through that process of how it went. So it was about a two-month process coming up to it, and we closed on Super Bowl Sunday. It was our first <laughs> our first time oh, that we wow. closed, 
And it was interesting because I told my managers, some of my people wanted to hang out and hide in the woods and watch and then come <laughs> up and help customers. And I said, no, it is a salesperson, sales manager, owner free zone on a Sunday. And I may stop by because I have to pick something up once in a while, but I don't want to talk to anybody. It's they can be there and be safe. We had security and bottles of water out there for people, but it was absolutely no sales. And I said, now, at the end of the day, would I like you to go to church? You bet. But if you don't want to go to church, take your family to the beach. I want them to be able to count on a day that you can be home, man or woman, with your family and enjoying each other. Because we work so hard here in Hawaii, you need to have some some downtime. And so that's what we started. Wow. And and initially, how did it go? You know, it was interesting. My business partner didn't talk to me for three months. There were some <laughs> expletives involved when I decided to do this, and he found out about it. Ford Motor Company was quite angry with me um, going into it and then probably quite angry for about the first 60 days. But what happened was in that 60 days, we held our own. We were selling normal. But going into Memorial Day weekend, I've got to share with, with what happens. There's five weekends a year that is the big sales weekends. Memorial Day is one of them. And it's Saturday night, and we're way behind for the month. We're way behind. So I talked to Pastor Wayne at church, and I hadn't even made up my mind on that yet, really about Sunday, what we were going to do. And I was back and forth. Maybe we should be open. And Wayne said, you know, you're going to make the right decision, Mark. Whatever decision you make, you don't have to be closed every Sunday. You can open up when you need to. It's okay. But you'll make the right decision. I'm like getting in my truck going, thanks, Wayne. I really Mm -hmm. wish you would have told me what to do. But he gave me tremendous council. We held true. My general manager, Danny Asau, was very hardcore, more than me. We're closed, Mark. We're not even entertaining it. So we close on Sundays. I don't sleep. Monday morning, we got up and the place was just jam-packed. We sold 26 cars on a Monday. Hmm. Record for that dealership. Record maybe anywhere in the state of Hawaii for a domestic. And God honored us. It was incredible with what happened. And so that's really when I knew that honoring God, staying true to the focus, staying true to what God wanted us to do, we'd be rewarded. You know, there's the idea out there that if you want to make it in business, you got to put in those 80 hours a week. You got to outwork the other guy. And I know people getting into real estate, in the legal practice, and the professional sports. I mean, they are in there 60, 70, 80 hours. You know, you stop seeing them at church and all of this. Uh, you know, what do you have to tell them? Wow. I'm guilty too. Still am. Uh, I wish I could tell you I wasn't, but you know, really, I think what I try to do is I try to completely disconnect on Sunday. I go to church Saturday night. I enjoy that. That way Sunday I can stay home, maybe go to the beach for a couple of hours, but I can count on that downtime no matter what. That is my Sabbath. And so I really try to focus on that. And at the end of the day, you know, we all want to be known for something. And so what I believe personally we want to be known for is the ability to bring others to be able to find their destiny of what they want to do. And to me, that's the most important thing we can do as a business owner is help move other people up. From my perspective, I want other people to find Christ. I want them to find their family. I want them to find a goal in life and help move them those directions. Yeah, so for you as a Christian businessman, you know, one of my questions is what's the difference between a Christian businessman and, and quote, just, you know, the regular guy out there? You kind of mentioned that you've got bigger goals out there than just making money. Correct. 
over the years, you know, I, I was able, I was extremely blessed as a young man to have an opportunity to have some ownership and some car dealerships and got going. Some people saw something in me and gave me a chance. So that worked out well for me. And my peers were all about 40 years older than me. And I would ask them as a car dealer, tell me what to do. What would you do different? And most of them told me guys in their seventies and eighties, I wouldn't do it again. That we worked way too hard. We spent our lives. We have way too much money. And at the end of the day, what else is there to talk about? My family doesn't love me. I don't have what I would like to have as far as relationship. And I would change the direction of my life. And so I use that as a little bit of a compass in the back of my mind that I knew I didn't want to be like that. Yeah, you know, it, as I'm hearing you speak, the words of Tony Dungy and Tom Landry, some of these coaches that I got to listen to and just briefly meet at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes breakfast is also echoing in my ears. Tony Dungy, you know, won a couple of Super Bowls there, I believe. Uh, yes. But he said, yeah, most pro coaches are putting 80 hours a week yep. into the week. He wasn't like that. And he often encouraged his coaches to go home, go home, yep. be with your family and also, one of the unique things he established with the Indianapolis Colts there, I think was his last organization, he let the kids come to the practice facility and he encouraged the coaches and players, bring your kids here and things. And so that was one thing he didn't, like you're saying, didn't want to lose the family. Correct. For the sake of a successful, quote, Co business. Correct. Correct. In the long run, business is where we spend the majority of our life, our waking hours. And that's, I believe, the way God designs us. He doesn't design us to lay around and be lazy. He designs us to work. And so work is a great thing. It's nourishing. It's more than just putting money on the table. It's the ability to lift those up around us. And so I've always used that as a mission that's very important to me is you want to leave it better than where you found it. And so when we look at uh, as a Christian business person, I like to believe we operate at a level that my rule has always been real simple. And you're going to laugh when I tell you this. I can go to church with my head held high and I can go to a restaurant and nothing weird is going to show up in my food. So people know that we're going to do the best that we can, no matter what, to communicate openly and honestly and to give them great value. Yes. A word I hear there, Tom Landry. Well, one of the things that I, you know, I got to speak to the Cowboys and everything, many who had played for Tom Landry. And, you know, after Tom Landry, the Cowboys went through a circus of coaches sure. and everything like that. And they just couldn't find one like Tom Landry. And then that's when everyone realized, wow, we had someone really special here. And one of the things that they said about Tom Landry that was really distinguishing that you mentioned here is that he treated everyone fairly. Yes, that if you were busted in drugs or whatever, he confronted you and gave you a chance. Yes. Gave you a chance. But if you kept blowing it, then eventually he traded you. Yes. But integrity was a high value in his, no matter if you were the superstar on the team or not. Yes. If you weren't shaping up, you're traded. Yes. You know, and things. And I guess that integrity was yes. a key hallmark of the Cowboys. And sounds like that's what you wanted in your culture as well. Well, I did something maybe way different than a lot of people would do in the car industry. I opened up my financials, my books to wow. all my employees. And now I wouldn't tell Susie what Tom made, but I would do is I'd sit down and use my categories. And so I'd say, here's what the benchmark is. Here's top dead center for the engine. 
All I want you to do is work with your manager and you guys come up with a plan and steer this thing and decide. We should be able to be on what we call the benchmark in the car industry. We should be able to be top dead center. And it's the same way in sports. We should be able to perform at this level and we will if we all work as a team. And then uh, different departments that didn't have that same vision, I would work to reset them, whether a different manager, a different heart, different anything so I could get the team to perform the right way. Now, how did your employees respond? Did they notice a difference uh, in working for Honolulu Ford as opposed to perhaps other businesses they were working with? You know, it was unique. We had a, a little struggle with uh, I inherited the store, quote unquote, inherited a, a union contract with a local mm. union for about 45 employees. And the contract had expired six years ago. And there was some ill will and some harsh feelings across the board. And it was tough. And we didn't really what I would say negotiate. We loved them. And we did a lot of negotiating with the NLRB. But at the end of the day, my 45 employees voted Mark and Mary Benson in and voted to rescind a, a relationship with this local union that had been in place since 1956. And really, it came down to really one main thing is they knew with me they'd be treated fairly. And it had been 30 years since anyone out of the union had been promoted into management. And yet there were people that I could see with the DNA to be an owner in that dealership that had missed the opportunity. And so that was really my key goal with everybody was we want you to excel based on your God-given gifts. And we want to help you use those gifts. And that was really what we tried to do. Well, you know, getting off on a little different topic here, then as the leader, you saw it as your mission to raise everyone else. Correct. That seems different from a lot of the models, whether it's ministry or business, you know, it's kind of a top-down triangle. Right. You know, I set the tone, I set the agenda, and you guys find out where in that slot you fit, the pyramid. Yes. You seem to have a different model, and I think what you're reflecting here is the Christian model that Jesus was talking about as to really the role of the leader. Tell us about that. Well, my role wasn't to tell everybody I'm a servant leader. My role was for them to make up their own mind that I was a servant leader. And so whether that meant Mark washing cars out back for delivery, a lot of people were shocked. It might be seven o'clock or eight o'clock at night when I should have been home, but we were shorthanded. I'd wash the person's car and bring it up myself. And they were kind of blown away. Why is the owner washing a car? And my desire was I wouldn't ask anybody to do anything. I wouldn't do number one. Every manager that I hired, every person that I hired personally or I had them hire was I would tell them point blank, your job is to find your replacement. That's your job. If you work to attract and hire and find your replacement, you're going to be successful. So I took my GM and sent him to dealer candidate school on the mainland a number of times. And it's expensive. As we all know, training is expensive everywhere and there's never time for it. And I got a little pushback from my partners. Why are you doing that? And I said, well, if I drop over and uh, I'm no longer here, my job is to leave it better than I found it. So if I can make my team better around me, ultimately, we're going to perform better. Yeah. You know, when I was taking uh, leadership classes at the Christian University where I was at or the seminary, actually, uh, yeah, they were teaching us that Christian leadership is different. In, it's not a pyramid. It's actually an upside down pyramid. Sure, sure. The, the Christian leader comes in and raises everyone else up. And that's, that's, right. that's his mission. You know, Ephesians 3, the passage to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Yep. Jesus saying, you know, son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, serve give his life for others. And so the, 
leader raises everyone else. That's right. Fortunately, I don't see a lot of that in business. And so that was a very unique approach there. You think the business world is catching on or? I think some of the business world's catching on. And I hope that people that are listening to this, whether they're in business or whether they are the capital C church would encourage it. Because I think there's a lot of people. I was contacted by a lot of people asking me, Hey, Mark, you know, how much money you save closing on Sundays at the Ford dealership? And I'm like, it's not about saving money. It's about saving lives, families, souls. That's what it's about. You need to reframe your question. So I think that the capital C church has a responsibility to tell the guy like me sitting in the pew, this is something you should consider. And this is how you get there. And then this is how we fellowship together, because I think we're missing a great opportunity. Mark, why is it that we're afraid to use the term Christian and business in the same sentence here? Because business can be a tremendous ministry and way to reach and impact lives for Christ, as you folks did there at Honolulu Ford. Oh, it was great. I, I think that it's an oxymoron. It's kind of like, and permit me to use that old joke about an honest attorney. You know, it's it's an old joke that we tease about. But in reality, people are afraid. I tell people, don't do business with me because I'm a Christian. That's the wrong thing for you to do. Consider doing business with me because I'm a Christian. Yes, but don't because I'm a Christian. And unfortunately, over the decades, we have seen people utilize that term Christian inappropriately. Does it mean that you shouldn't hire an attorney when you're selling a piece of property with a Christian involved? No, do it just like normal business practices, but it's a higher standard. You're held to a higher standard. Yeah. And Mark, you know, businessmen can get into places where missionaries, pastors. Correct. Can't get into. Correct. I've seen in third world countries where business is a incredible ministry. Yes. You've got people living on the streets with no jobs. Yes. Well, we help lead them to Christ. But then what? That's right. They have to find, you know, but to come in there with a business and to lift them up out of poverty yes. and help them make a living and instilling biblical principles in there while doing that. That is a tremendous ministry businessmen can have, not only here in the U.S., but around the world. Many don't realize that. Well, you know, and a great model to look at out there that's doing well around the world is Full Gospel International Christian Businessmen's Association. And various countries have different successes, all based on leadership. But it's designed to lift those people up around them. And it's designed to encourage people to be Christian business leaders and then designed to help other people be lifted at the same time. So I think it's important. Well, Mark, can a business apply biblical principles and succeed in today's business world. I mean, everyone's out there cutting corners. Everyone's out there cooking the books. Everyone's using inferior products and raising the prices. Supposedly. Supposedly, yeah. Can you apply biblical principles and make it out there? I think you can. And then it really comes down into what is your definition of success? Because you can have all the money in the world and tonight your soul is is demanded of you. So in reality, I think that it really comes down into how do you want to fill that God-shaped hole that's within you? And you're the one that has to answer it. I like to call it my 2 a.m. question. At 2 a.m. in the morning, when I wake up, how am I doing? What am I doing right? What do I need to adjust my course to make sure that I'm doing right? And I wrestle with it every morning. 
Wow. Why do you wrestle with it every morning? Well, I wrestle with it because I want to make sure, you know, I want to make sure that I'm presenting a good position. I'm a fallen person. I'm a man. I'm a sinner. But I'm desirous of following Jesus Christ. I'm desirous of bringing other people to the Bible that they can understand. That is God's playbook designed for us. And so how can we utilize that to share it, not to beat anybody over the head, but to share it and say, you should consider these different um, uh, tenets to improve your life. Yeah, you know, uh, that reminds me of a proverb, Proverbs 28, 1. It says, the wicked flee when no one pursues them, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. That's what I'm hearing here. And I know businessmen, pastors, guys in ministry doing crooked things. And they're up late at night. They can't sleep because yes. they're wondering, wait, is the secretary going to rat on me? Did this yep. guy just found out? Is that defunct car going to break down? This guy come sue me or something, you know, yep. or someone going to find out what I did? And I'll walk into their office in the middle of the day and they're sleeping Wow! because they can't sleep at night. They sure. are just bothered and paranoid and irritated. Whereas those who function with integrity, like you're saying, yes. they sleep well at yes. night. They're not afraid of lawsuits or whatever accusations may fly because God becomes their shield and they know that they've been walking with integrity. And that's what you're talking about here. hundred percent. And, you know, there was a movie that was done years ago in Albany, Georgia, uh, called Flywheel. It was a Christian movie and it was a, it was a great movie, but it's personal to me because we owned a Ford dealership just down the street from where they shot that movie. Oh. And so I knew some of the people and knew all the scenes. And it was about a used car dealer that was walking as a typical used car dealer. And then that one, how he changed his life and started walking for the Lord and how everything changed in his life based on it, what he did and how his business exploded. It was a great model. run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners, for the opportunity to donate. Once again, we'll direct you to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at HonoluluChristian.org. That's HonoluluChristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. <laughs>